It is the end of October. As this podcast is published, Halloween is right around the corner. Children and adults are already dressing up in scary costumes, peddling for candy and celebrating the things that go bump in the night. Whether or not you celebrate this now popular commercial holiday, now is a good time to ask yourself, what do you believe about the devil, demons, and the forces of darkness? And what does scripture have to say about them? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of the Great Stories Podcast. I'm Charles Morris, and in a moment, you're going to hear from Mike McKinley, a Nine Marks pastor in Sterling, Virginia, who authored a little book that I simply love called, Did the Devil Make Me Do It? I recorded this interview in 2013, but as you'll soon find out, everything we talk about is just as relevant today as it was eight years ago. So whether you believe too much or believe too little in the devil and what he's able to do in the world today, you'll walk away from this conversation with a knowledge of what is real, what is not real, and what you as a Christian are supposed to do about it. Welcome to Haven Today, and we're talking to the author of Did the Devil Make Me Do It? And other questions about Satan, demons, and evil spirits. And he's the pastor of Sterling Park Baptist Church, which is outside Washington, D.C., in Virginia. Uh, Mike McKinley, welcome for the very first time to Haven Today. Thanks, Charles. Now, we're interviewing you as you just got back from Macedonia. You're suffering from jet lag. Uh, and uh, it certainly wasn't a vacation, but you saw what the Lord is doing. And thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. It's nice to have a, uh, a built-in excuse. If I sound incoherent, I can always blame it on the jet lag. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, you have written a most amazing, I could call it in one respect, a mini theology on Satan, but nobody would want it then maybe. But it is a short book, but yet... Uh, what are you doing in this little book, Did the Devil Make Me Do It? Well, I guess the idea was to try and come up with something something short and readable um, that Christians could take a look at just to help understand what the Bible teaches uh, about Satan and demons and, and all these kinds of things. There, there's so much mention, uh, particularly in the New Testament and the gospel accounts of demons yes. and demonic activity. It seems that most of the people who are talking nowadays about demons and demonic strongholds and Satan um, are, are talking about it in a way that's, that's pretty unhelpful and not really doing justice to what Scripture actually says. Uh, so the thought mm-hmm. was to, to try and write something short and readable that would say, okay, here's what, here's what Scripture says, and here's also, importantly, what Scripture doesn't tell us um, on, on this topic. Mm. Now, let, let, let's step back just a moment. You had a friend that went to a, a country in the Caribbean and encountered the reality of Satan. I've been to Haiti several times, and, and, and you feel it even when you get off the plane. Yeah, I did. Um, I had really two encounters with uh, two separate friends that, that really, I remember, struck me. One was a friend who went to the Caribbean, and, and uh, this particular friend was just um, particularly known for telling the truth. I don't know if you have a friend like that, but just a guy that, mm. that just kind of always says it exactly the way it is. Uh, and he came back from the Caribbean and was just... was talking about these, um, you know, sort of crazy sounding expressions of demonic activity uh, that he had seen. And he was trying to kind of process them. He was an American guy like I am and was trying to kind of process 
seeing something he'd never seen before. And uh, I remember thinking, boy, I just don't really live like that's the sort of spiritual reality of the world going, going on around me. Uh, and then I, I had a good friend who went and studied at a seminary in Africa. And uh, when they were talking about uh, Satan and demonic forces, um, you know, my friend mentioned the fact that, boy, in America, most people, you know, your average American doesn't even believe demons exist. Um, and, mm-hmm. and he said just the, the laughter. I mean, they just, <laughs> they thought that was the, the dumbest thing on earth, like saying that, you know, that sunshine doesn't exist or, or Wednesday doesn't exist. It's just, of course, demons exist. It's a, a sort of normal part of life. And so uh, that kind of got me thinking, you know, the Bible clearly teaches that demons are real yes. and that, that Satan exists. And so why is it that we in the West particularly seem to think uh, so little uh, about it? And when we do, we seem to think not not very biblically or well about it. Mm. And of course, we're in tune to see it on TV or see it in movies. And with special effects, we can certainly believe in evil. But when it comes to reality, we don't think about it so much. But Christians, any Christian that you've talked to that's gone into certain parts of the world, any missionary who's served there, uh, no matter what their theological stripes, they can tell you the reality of Satan and demonic activity and evil spirits at work. Uh, it's, it, it is there, so why isn't it here? And I guess maybe what we should do is we should go back a little bit to the scriptures, which you're referring to. Let me just ask you, Mike, uh, where did Satan come from? Well, it's not, not abundantly clear in scripture where he comes from. I mean, the first time we see him is in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, the scriptures basically assume his presence. They, they yes. simply say in Genesis 3, 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Um, so scripture doesn't stop and, and tell us where Satan comes from. We can deduce certain things must be true from scripture. So Satan must have been created by God because God created everything we know. Mm-hmm. God must have created him good uh, because, again, Genesis 1 tells us that when God created, he looked at everything he had created and, and said that it was very good. We know there's no deception, there's no evil in God. So when God created Satan, he must have created him as, as a morally pure being. And at some point, Satan rebelled against God, this, uh, this good created uh, being. He, he rebelled against God and, uh, and was cast out of heaven. But we don't know exactly much more than that. That's kind of where the story, the story kind of goes quiet at that point as, as to how that happened. Mm. Let's skip ahead. We, we do learn a little more about him in the New Testament. Uh, don't we? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. We see um, Jesus interacting with demons and with Satan. Himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we see Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Um, you know, in John chapter 8, Jesus tells us that Satan is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Um, and certainly the book of Revelation pictures for us the end of of Satan and demons and his ultimate destruction. So we, we certainly learn a lot more as, as scripture goes along. He certainly is a real person, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What did Jesus think about Satan and the works of Satan and the demons that surround Satan? He believed in him. Uh, he encountered him. What did Jesus think? Yeah, it, it seems Jesus certainly believed in them and, and did even spiritual battle against uh, demons. Um, and it, it seems like Jesus saw his uh, his work in the in the words of First John was to destroy the works of the evil one, 
so the evil one who is a liar and a murderer who uh, comes to tempt and uh, to destroy God's people, um, if at all possible, uh, with with sin. Um, uh, Jesus came to to deliver us from from those works. So he certainly saw Satan as uh, his adversary and uh, saw that he was uh, delivering us from Satan's tyranny. Jesus talks about compares at one point Satan to a a strong man uh, who's holding captives. Uh, and, and Jesus is the one, you know, describes himself as the one who's stronger, this, the one who comes in and uh, binds the strong man and sets free his captives. And so uh, mm. it's a beautiful picture of, of what Christ came to do for us and, and really what we see him doing in the yes. gospel accounts of his life and death and resurrection. Yes, and certainly from the gospels, there is a distinction between someone just being sick and someone being inhabited by demons. Jesus made that clear, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, there, there are some who sort of look back uh, through the annals of history and sort of condescendingly say, well, people back then just needed to explain things they couldn't explain. So they you know, invented the idea mm-hmm. of demon possession for things that we would call mental illness or sickness. Um, but people weren't dumb back then. They knew when someone was sick uh, and they, they even knew yes. when people were crazy, but uh, they, they quite clearly believed that in, in real personal spirits that were, that were afflicting and inhabiting people. So yeah, absolutely. Jesus believed mm. in demon affliction and possession and yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look back and just sort of explain it away as mental illness or sickness. Mm. Let's talk about what is Satan like and what does he do or even seek to do? In scripture, you see Satan, you could kind of group Satan's activities into uh, a few different categories. So when, when you see Satan doing something, it's usually one of these few things. Um, the activity of Satan is pretty, pretty predictable in some ways. You don't see him baking cakes or, you know, throwing tea parties. <laughs> uh, I- instead, you know, he, he causes physical suffering. So I think sometimes we under underplay that aspect of, of Satan's character, but mm-hmm. uh, quite frequently mm-hmm. we see him just delighting in creating pain and, and torment for humanity. He uh, he hates mm-hmm. God. Uh, Satan hates God. Hates his people. Uh, he hates human flourishing and happiness. Uh, and so you certainly see in the gospel accounts uh, when Jesus comes up against demons, they they are quite often simply just delighting and causing misery and suffering physically. Uh, Jesus says that, that Satan is a murderer. He, he hates human life. He creates uh, turmoil, like mental and emotional turmoil. Uh, you often see uh, people that are being attacked by demons appear irrational or in, in just deep distress. Satan seems to promote false worship in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 17 demons are identified with the the idols um, that the Canaanites were mm. worshiping um, they, they talked about sacrificing to demons that were, were that were no gods um, and so behind these sort of stone demons that were or, or I'm sorry rather stone idols that were being worshiped the authors of scripture see demonic influence as Satan is promoting uh, false worship uh, and then uh, certainly tempting people to sin. We often think, you know, the title of the book is Did the Devil Make Me Do It? We think in terms of uh, the devil being the, the tempter. And then uh, as much as possible, trying to prevent God's salvation from coming. You see, when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, mm-hmm. what Satan is tempting him to do, essentially, if you look at the, the, the specific things that, that Satan tempted our Lord with, 
It was to go around God's plan of salvation. So Satan offers Jesus, you know, all the kingdoms of earth. Well, Jesus was going to get all the kingdoms of the earth, but it was God's plan that he would, that he would receive all authority and praise um, through the suffering of the cross. And so Satan, in a sense, is, is offering Jesus uh, an, an opportunity, if you will, to, to get that promised glory, but without, without you and me, right? Without, the, without saving yes. his people. Uh, and so Satan seemed um, to, be, to be bent on trying to uh, push Jesus off that, that path towards the cross that would save uh, God's people and ultimately destroy him. Hmm. And and also something that we don't talk about so much, but there are little hints of this in Paul uh, in the New Testament. Uh, Satan seeks to do his will and have his way in the church of Jesus Christ too, doesn't he? Yep, ab- absolutely. If you if you remember, you know, just that as a sort of thumbnail or a shorthand that that Satan hates God, then everything that delights God is going to be sort of a target for satanic attack. And so uh, certainly the unity and love of the church, the true worship of God's people, true doctrine, uh, all those things that, that God says delight him, Satan, we're certain we're going to see Satan uh, working against those things, even even in the church. Mike McKinley, uh, pastor of uh, Sterling Park Baptist Church outside Washington, D.C., is the author of this very interesting book called Did the Devil Make Me Do It? And Other Questions About Satan, Demons, and Evil Spirits. Well, we've been speaking this week about different ideas. Where did Satan come from? What is Satan like? What does he do? Let's talk about the control that Satan seeks to exercise. And we think of that, and we get this from the Bible, as demon possession. Uh, Let's talk about demon possession, and then we can expand that a little bit on how he seeks to control us. It seems that you see over and over again Jesus, and even in the the book of Acts, you see the apostles uh, interacting with people who are uh, afflicted by demons. And it's, it's interesting. We use the word possession uh, oftentimes uh, in our, even in our translations of the Bible. And that, that's, a, that's a fine word, but I, I fear that it gives a slightly, it maybe gives a wrong impression uh, or it maybe it overplays an aspect of what Scripture is talking about. And when you see people in Scripture that are said to uh, have demons, um, the, the Greek word is daimonizomai. Uh, this word it means these people are, are demonized, basically. They're, they're being afflicted by a demon. Uh, the word possession seems to give the impression that that someone who's being afflicted by a demon is is sort of owned or utterly controlled in every way uh, by a demon. It, it, it's a scary word, isn't it? Maybe more scary than it should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, but it, you see in Scripture, most people who are said to have a demon or be demonized or being afflicted by demons, uh, most of the time they're not sort of out of their minds, sort of had lost all control of their rational fun- functions. You you see maybe one or two examples of that. You think of the Gerasene demoniac, um, yes. you know, who's uh-huh. tearing himself apart. Uh, and I believe in, in Luke's gospel also, um, there's a, a man at, in uh, Capernaum in the synagogue. But but other than than those two examples, pretty much everyone else has control of their sort of rational uh, thoughts. And, and uh, what we see more is that a demon attack 
results in things like physical suffering. You see even just wicked behavior. So uh, scripture tells us that Satan went into or entered into Judas, but Judas didn't suddenly start having his head spin around and spit, you know, split pea soup all over everyone. He, he simply went out and did something extraordinarily wicked. Uh, and so I think when we think of demon possession, we tend to think of these sort of extraordinary, you know, eyes bulging, you know, saying strange words and strange voices. We put it in a Hollywood context. Exactly. And, and which is probably what Satan wants us to do, because then it seems to not be reality if we can just see it through Hollywood's eyes. Exactly. Exactly. But I think scripture would encourage us to, to look at things like physical suffering and uh, acts of extraordinary evil uh, as well as, as sort of evidence of demonic activity in the life of an individual. What, what about this uh, idea, and, and we'll move it more into us today, most of us uh, who've been around Christianity for any length of time have been taught and told that uh, Satan can possess, demons can possess a non-Christian, but because a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, we can have a brush with demons, but we can't be possessed by demons. Uh, how, how do you respond to that? I, I, think that's, I think that's accurate in the sense that a, a Christian who's been um, saved uh, by the blood of Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, uh, in, in one sense, could never be the possession of Satan. So we've been, we've been delivered from Satan. Uh, Christ is stronger uh, than the devil, and, and Christ has destroyed the works of the evil one in the lives of his people. Uh, so in that sense, I, I would agree that there's, there's no way a believer, uh, someone who's been saved by Jesus Christ, could be overwhelmed and, and, uh, and possessed in that sense by Satan. But I think it is, is clear, maybe this is pastorally where it's unhelpful, is that I see Christians from time to time who feel and, and I believe genuinely are uh, afflicted uh, by demonic activity. Uh, and that takes a number of different forces, but they, they seem to, to know it for certain. Uh, they seem to give sort of evidence of it in their life. And, and it begins to cause them to question their salvation. If they really were a Christian, mm -hmm. would Satan be able to afflict them in this way? And I think that's where it's helpful to be careful about how we use a word like possession. Because in one sense, could a Christian be possessed by a demon? Well, no, not in the sense of that, that demon having control of them. Uh, but in terms of demonic affliction, in terms of uh, being tempted, uh, in terms of being attacked, uh, absolutely. I don't think anything in Scripture encourages us to think that Satan will, uh, certain, will, will call off the dogs once we become followers of Christ. In fact, Scripture seems to encourage us to, to think that Satan will uh, ramp up his attack on us uh, mm, when we yes. come to Christ. And so, so in that sense, I, I hate to see Christians uh, who uh, feel like they're being afflicted uh, have an added burden that of, of causing them to doubt their salvation. Mm. And in fact, we are encouraged, Paul encourages us to put on the armor, uh, the spiritual armor, this armor that comes from the spirit uh, when we do encounter uh, the forces of evil in the work of Satan, uh, that's a pretty good, powerful place. And I guess then in the Old Testament, Mike, uh, we've, we've got uh, Job as a prime example of how much Satan can have his way with God's permission, too. Yep, absolutely. So in Job, Satan can't do anything without God's permission, but 
but absolutely, you see, he creates quite a bit of, of havoc in the life of a, a godly man. Hmm. Mike McKinley, who's written, Did the Devil Make Me Do It? I want to ask you just the question that you titled your book by. Did the devil make me do it? What does that mean? Is that true? Yeah, I think, well, I think I'd want to make a distinction between uh, the way a Christian would, would answer that and the way a, an unbeliever would answer it. Uh, in one sense, the answer is a simple no. Um, the Bible clearly says that we, we sin because we are sinners. So we're not, we're not merely victims of Satan's schemes and devices. Uh, if, we, if we sin, uh, it's because we, we wanted to sin. Um, but there's an element in which, as a, uh, before uh, we're made alive with Christ, uh, Paul in Ephesians says that we're dead in our sins and trespasses, uh, and in a sense, we're, we're unable to do anything but sin. And so we are, in that sense, uh, victims of sort of merciless or helpless victims of Satan's schemes. We, we don't have any power to resist him um, or to uh, break away from him. The picture that uh, I mentioned earlier in the week of, uh, that Jesus uses is that we're, we're like people captured, bound by a strong man. And unless someone comes in and binds that strong man, we can't be delivered. And so before uh, we come to Christ, that's, that's a good picture of what we're like. Uh, after uh, we're made alive by God's spirit, the sort of power of, of sin uh, has been cut in our lives. We've uh, been made alive to Christ. And now we're dead to sin. And so Satan has no authority over us. He has no ultimate uh, ability to make us do anything. And so um, thank God the, the answer to that question for a Christian is, is a resounding no. Uh, the devil can't make mm. me do anything. He can, he can tempt me, but uh, he doesn't have the power to make me do anything. Mm. Let's talk about Jesus defeating Satan. Do you mind just sharing with us? Yeah, I think Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 13 to 15 uh, is very helpful on this uh, front as we try to understand how it is that Jesus defeated Satan. Uh, it says there, the Apostle Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That is, that's really good news, Charles. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. by, by Jesus' death on the cross, it says that he disarmed the powers and authorities. Paul's talking there about uh, Satan about uh, demonic forces. Jesus took away all of their weapons. He's he's left Satan with, with really nothing, with which he can destroy us or conquer us. The the great uh, Satan is in in Scripture described as a slanderer, uh, and an, an adversary and an accuser of God's people. But but there's nothing to accuse a Christian of. Uh, all of our sins have been nailed to the cross. We don't bear them anymore. Uh, and so we are we are innocent before Satan, before our accuser, uh, as he accuses us to to God, our judge. Mm. And, and e- even more than that, Paul says that he makes a public spectacle uh, of them. He he leads them in a, a sort of victory procession, almost like the image is like a a, a general who would in those days. Uh, one of the ways that you demonstrated your triumph over an enemy was to parade back home with your defeated enemy in chains behind you. And so that's, that is that is what Satan and his demonic forces are. 
Uh, they are they're simply chained up and being dragged along as a as a testimony of Christ's power and greatness. Uh, and so Paul gives us this picture of the spiritual reality uh, of what God has done for us in Christ in in defeating Satan. Mike, Satan, I think, wants us and tries to to make us believe that he's the victor, that he can not just gain control, but he can keep control. And that's just part of his big lie, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He tries to enslave people by tempting them to sin, but also to fear and fearing death and fearing his his power. Um, so certainly the, the knowledge that Christ has defeated Satan is, is powerful for God's people. Mm-hmm. May we all take that to heart. Mike McKinley, uh, Sterling Park Baptist Church in Virginia, would you just lead us in prayer? We've got some people that are probably troubled by what you've been telling us about uh, demons, demon possession, and Satan trying to get his way over even Christians. Would you lead us in prayer? I'd be delighted to. Heavenly Father, we know in your word that you have uh, made your people alive with Christ. You've seated us in the heavenly places. We know that Satan can tempt and uh, attack us, but can ultimately never overwhelm anyone uh, of your children. And so we pray, Lord, that you would draw near to your people by your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there is anyone listening who is uh, troubled, we pray that you would uh, comfort them and point them to Christ. And we thank you that uh, you are the one who keeps us from stumbling and is able to present us before the presence of your glory with great joy, as your word tells us. And so we pray that you would uh, Uh, Do that for each one of your people, Lord, and for everyone listening uh, to this broadcast. Um, We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Great Stories podcast with Charles Morris. Whether you're listening to this before or after Halloween, I hope this gives you a better perspective on a too often misunderstood aspect of our faith and the spiritual world around us. If you want to hear more, conversations like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org to sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.